we have a special announcement. Scott's book is actually up for pre-order right now. Book number two, Champions Playbook 2. You guys will learn a lot more about it in the coming episodes, but it's the GoFundMe link is on his Instagram. That's S Golf. Go over there and check it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with GoFundMe or not, but if you pre-order the book off of GoFundMe, there's a lot of uh, freebies that are attached to it, as well as some things that Scott has let me in on uh, that you guys will be able to get access to if you pre-order the book. It's $14.99. It's the best $14.99 you'll ever spend, and we'll be getting updates out here shortly about where and when uh, you'll be able to get your copy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Hello and welcome to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where if you're watching here on the video, which if you're not, well, you'll see it on Instagram. You'll definitely see it on Instagram. We're going to try and put some up on the Franklin Bridge performance app and uh, do some more work potentially on YouTube as well. So if you're looking looking, uh, um, at us right now on the YouTube or on the video, whatever, um, make sure to hit that like button. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting. Man, I was kind waiting of a for slow you. start, right? Um, Very technical slow difficulties to get the day started here. Yep. Uh, we have with us a uh, guest. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't call him special. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm guest, kidding. No, I'm guest kidding. speaker. Um, He's been on the podcast before. Yep. I'm gonna play this up, like because the people who are listening don't necessarily know who it is. That's right. So he may was not listened. Yeah. He might uh, come back on when he was originally on last year during the winter, and we had a a bunch of people come on the podcast or or comment saying that they loved him on the podcast. Yep. So without further ado, Mr. Taylor Wilson, everybody. (laughs) Yes, Taylor. (laughs) What's up? How's it going? We're sharing a microphone, me and Scott, so it's going to be very... Back. Yes. Back and forth. Like like an 80s band, hair band, where they come up and they sing into the same microphone oh for God. just part of the song. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. I don't think we're going to get that close. But um so, uh big announcements, my second book is now available uh for pre-order. Uh we're using GoFundMe as the platform so we don't have to set up a bunch of different avenues and channels and paywalls and all that kind of mess. So, uh it's on GoFundMe. You can just search uh, my name or The Three Secrets of Golf. Those will be on there. Um, you can pre-order it now. Retail for it, I think we talked last time, it's going to be nine ninety nine. Retail is going to be fourteen ninety nine, based on cost of the production as we've kind of finalized it here. Um, it's but good info, too. I mean, it's great info. Yeah. Well, but what you're also going to get is you're going to get uh, both the written. It's going to be a shorter book between 50 and 70 pages, depending on how many images we put in there. Um and it's also going to have links to digital content to further explain the concepts or areas you might be uh, confused or... Shout out those QR codes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we're excited about that. But um, I brought Taylor on here um, partly because he closed tonight, but also because um, he's been a big part of the data collection of BPN, OP, and POA. And for our club championship this weekend, a lot of that goes into setting pins uh, that Taylor does. So Taylor's all in charge of setting the pins for a lot of our tournaments this year. And utilizing some of that information has been incredibly helpful. Um, So, Taylor, share a little bit about some of the data collection we've done. We've done, 
We're approaching 10,000 holes. Isn't that crazy? I feel like a lot of people don't understand like (laughs) 10,000 holes. 10,000 holes. That's like, if my math is right, a little bit over 5,000 rounds of golf. 10,000 divided by 20, 5,000. Oh, I don't shoot. know how I don't you're know doing where this that is going. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my fault. Just don't. That's even, okay. Just forget that I'm even talking right now. No, I'm just trying to say that's a that's a crazy that's a crazy number. Yeah, yeah. I try to do five thousand divided by eighteen. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I first got into helping you with the data collection. Five. I saw you over a spreadsheet, and I was like, "What is going on?" And then I saw math, so I immediately <laughs> exited. <laughs> um, not a big fan of that, uh, but Scott explained it and. I got into helping him with uh, some of the data collection for all of the uh, metrics that he is keeping track of. And outside of it boggling my mind and still boggling my mind, <laughs> I, uh, I think it is some of the most useful information that I have ever heard. I think when we came ever. out with these, uh, with these data points and with these, uh, you know, VPN proximity and POA, like we... Uh, Scott was just like, yeah, so if you did, you know, X right and Y right, you would have shot two under. And, like, I'm just thinking about, like, I'm just like, yeah, Scott, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, totally. And I'm like, makes it, 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 like, it doesn't no really, sense it doesn't make all. any sense yeah. until, you, <laughs> until you can really use it within your rounds. And I got to the point where I, like, I stopped using it in just, like, my daily rounds just because I wanted to focus on, like, my fundamentals and getting, you know, really making sure I was playing the game before I started tracking data points. And then we, we most recently went in and talked about my round that I played today. And it, it makes so much more sense now that like when Scott can put it into context and when you're playing at such a high level to where you can understand where mistakes were made on the golf course and how that relates to the strokes that you're losing when you're, when you're playing. Yeah, and I don't think you have to be a tour player. Obviously, this no. came off of tour data, and we'll we'll highlight some of the exciting stuff that we looked at and like, nah, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. But like, y- one of the things that you said, and people say all the time, is like, I just like, where am I losing those strokes? Like, I'm 81. Like, where are they? And like, you can obviously think about certain moments, but by actually pulling the data apart. And very simply, it's not like you're having to look at a giant spreadsheet. You got, no, no. You got three data points to look at um, that are pretty easy to understand once you get them. And you can really pull that round apart. And we're looking at your OP and your POA not matching up. Um, and obviously, those that are listening don't even know what those things mean, which is fine. Uh, that's why you go ahead and pre-order the book to have it by Christmas. <laughs> nice um, plug. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to wait till Master's Week of next year to get it. If you don't pre-order it, you're yep. going to have to wait till next year to get it. Um, but, anywho, like, being able to pull the round apart is huge. So, but, as we collected the data, um, to kind of give you some context, I had kind of been tracking, like, the way people play the game. Rather than just, like, stats and data, I've been looking at, like, okay, if we were to place the ball over here versus over there and we measure this and we measure that, more about placement of the ball than, like, greens hit, fairways hit, all that kind of stuff. I'm looking at it strictly from a strategic ball placement standpoint. And to look at it in those three data points was actually pretty fascinating. And so I started with it just tracking 72 holes and seeing what the outcome was and started getting accurate and more accurate and more accurate. And then we're like, hey, I wonder if we could project... 
take that data, take 36 holes, would that be enough to project to a final round? And then this is when it got crazy. And <laughs> yeah, I'll let Taylor go ahead and finish this. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, it it got to the point where we were we were inputting data after rounds of golf on the PGA Tour and predicting the outcome and final score of tournaments. And then some of us were betting on those tournaments and making money on it. <laughs> it, it, it got so accurate that we were able to, with a degree of certainty, determine who's going to finish in what position and what score would win the tournament. And this is why I'm so excited for the book, too, because now the common man, the weekend golfer, if you want to figure out how you can take those strokes off your score – with the book, you're now going to be able to understand how we get to those scores at the end of the day and where, right. you, where, you're, me where you're missing. Like today, I thought I played a fantastic round. I shot a, a 39 on the front, and then I bombed a 42 on the back. But like we went through the round afterwards and really start, understood, like, okay, this is where you missed here, this is where you missed here, this is where you missed here. And I didn't feel like I played all that bad, but it turns out like I could have easily shot a 76, 75. Yeah, with with actual clarity, like without without hitting the ball any better, without doing anything but manipulating the shots that you chose, we could have lowered it substantially. But to also give it context, this is where it's cool too. Like if a tour player had hit the ball in this relative same locations as you did, said it would they would have shot two and a half under par, which gives you like a massive appreciation for their skill set. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. so, you know, that, that was kind of neat to be able to see that. Um, but the, here's the even crazier part. As we were tracking this data, I got questions from various people as I started kind of sharing some insights and wanting to be challenged a little bit on it. They're like, well, what about the ball in the bunker off the tee? What about it in the bunker near the green? What about it being in the trees? What about it being out of bounds? What about it being in the water? And the thing that we found is none of that matters <laughs> like that's the weird part like none of that matters and and it doesn't matter your skill set too no that's the crazy no. thing is a lot of people are like well you know i can't be using this you know this formula because i'm not good enough to do it yet it's like well no like this is this is easily going to get you to uh a more accurate a more accurate place of where your skill set actually lies yeah which because is so, so because cool. without these Without these data points, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I have to hit it close to the hole. And we're saying you just have to hit it anywhere over there, anywhere <laughs> in that area. <laughs> yeah. You can put the ball anywhere over there. You have 60 yards. Yeah, put it there's, there. a, there's a lot of room out there. It actually does open up over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Scott, while you know we've gone 10 minutes kind of selling these data points, where can the amateur – sink their teeth in and really apply this to their game in a way that they can start understanding where they need to be improving ASAP. Well, I, I think the, the first one is stop trying to hit like the right shot. Like learn how to move the ball, shape it left to right, take a shot that lays you in a position that you can then play in from there. So like, People go, well, I got to hit the green. And that, that happened to you today, right? Like on on hole four, four. You, you took a shot that, yeah, a tour player could pull off some of the time, but 
you're not at that skill level yet, which I'm okay that you tried it because you got to learn something. Like, that's how you learn. Um, but it ended up turning into a double where at the very worst, you could have played up to a wedge that you've been doing well with. You would have improved your POA substantially. And then um, at the very worst, you would have made five. It's interesting, too, because when I go back to that, I, I did not hit a great tee shot, and I didn't hit it far enough to where, um, where I wasn't able to see the clearing for number four. And so I saw that, that shot over up and over the trees, and I was like, okay, I've been playing well. I was, I was sitting even at that point, and I was like, okay, like, I just got to like, hit what I've been hitting. Right. And I, I soon figured out that, okay, there's probably a 20% chance <clears> – <throat> Two out of ten times, I hit this thing on the green. But when we're talking about these three data points, about playing the odds, playing the statistics, and understanding that I have to play to my skill set and punching over and getting on and making no more than bogey would have been, and it would have done well for my score, and it would have built my confidence going into the next hole. Which is what I was hoping you were going to bring up. Yep. Going into the next hole where I blocked one to the right and then made another bogey on top of that that could have easily been No par. worse than par, right. Yeah. So that one shot didn't cost you two. It cost you three. Three. That's where it's really neat. And we haven't even talked about the other places you lost. So that gets you to 78 right there. Yeah. At the worst, 79. Yeah. And so that's that compounding. People talk about compounding errors. Well, what does it even mean? This actually allows us to do that and go back. And the cool part for me is real time. If you track it as you're playing, you can start catching your patterns of behavior without going like, well, I'm hitting it. Like you felt like you're hitting it pretty good today. But what we're actually showing in the data is like, hey, there was a trend that was already happening. We could have righted the ship much earlier and made that front nine a 37 instead of a 39. Yeah. And that back nine turns into a 38 instead of a 41, and there's your 75. And without you hitting it a lick better, simply picking different shots in different places. So and that's why I think I want people to understand this as well. It's like, well, just because you get you know, a double, let's say you get a double on one hole, that momentum doesn't stop on that hole it carries into the next three four five frankly what however many holes you have left and so being able to strategically pick those shots and not get too low not get too high all the time will really give you that consistency that you guys are longing for in your game and i do briefly want to touch on the application to golf course setup for tournaments because i was working on the the pins for club championship today and it allows knowing these things and knowing that these spots are so important, you can start putting pins and tees in places that make them harder to get to. The golf course has more defense than we knew previously. And you can now, you know, as much as you can exploit it to shoot a lower score, I can use my brain to exploit it to make the golf course play harder than it appears to be playing. There's some pins out there that look really easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the the uh, hey, explain what Scott just said for the people yeah. listening. Yeah. So Scott just said to explain how we're switching it up on the on the days day to day as well. So the the first round is going to give you a completely different look than the second round, uh, especially 
when you know these data points and you're trying to hit these spots to, to, to look at the same golf hole and have to take wildly different approaches to play the hole, it, it, it makes the game more interesting and it makes the course more varied across two rounds of golf. I, I think it's going to be very exciting to watch. And, and two, kind of taking your point, Taylor, uh, speaking about setting up a golf course, I think people will see just this monster pin, right? They'll see this tucked pin that's impossible to get to. And they think that, oh, man, those pin placements were the reasons that I'm not making birdies. And it's like, no, you're not. The reason you're not making the birdies is because you're not hitting the OPs and then you're not hitting it to the right side of the pin. That, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, it, it really doesn't matter. But what's even more fun is on the other side when you're standing on the tee box and you go, God, this pin is money. It's, it's yeah. right. I can. It, oh, it is. It is a green light pin. And then you par or bogey, and you're like, oh, man, that, that really stinks. Missed an opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you didn't because no. I set you up in a way that made it so difficult. to. I, I just think it's going to, oh, the, for a golf course setup, I love it. So the, I want people to understand when tournaments are set up, like you look at the wins and you look at different things that change from day to day. Great tournament setups actually play off of those things. Um, you know, I'll use examples from the tour. They'll have holes like, let's say it's a 400 yard par four. It's not drivable unless you're Bryson. It's not drivable, but it may be downwind one day and they bump it up a set or two of tees. So it plays 370 and then it is drivable because it's downwind that day. Well, the following day or on that weekend, they may, so it's 370 playing 340 if it's downwind 10, roughly, 8 to 10. And then the n later in the week, Saturday, Sunday, they may bump the tee all the way back to 400 with a wind into their face, and now it's playing 440. So you've got the same golf hole that's playing, could be as much as 60 yards difference from the weekday to the weekend, depending on how the weather patterns play out. And tournament organizers do this all the time, and it's beautifully done. Uh, on the PGA Tour, but I, I kind of want to share, I like sharing like what the data did. So one of our most exciting tournaments was early on, Kepka has the lead after the first round. This was the, this is one of the WGC tournaments. Uh, it's when Hovland made the eight on his 36th hole. Okay, so that's the WGC Mexico. Um, so we're looking at this data going, after 36 holes, Kepka's got the lead. Vegas is saying that Kepka's going to win the tournament. Um, Morikawa's a shot or two back, but hadn't really won anything big recently. Like, Kepka's got it. Kepka doesn't give away a win into the weekend. And my data really didn't have Kepka moving much further. It's like he might get a stroke or two lower, but that's about all he's going to sit. Now, my data had Morikawa going all the way to almost 1,800 parts, like 17.8. And we're like, what? Morikawa's going to win this golf tournament? And then we're looking at Hovland. Hovland's only four under, and it says he's going to get to 15. We're like, yeah, uh-huh, sure. That's really going to happen. And then I'll let Taylor share what <laughs> we got to see happen. Yeah, so uh, I'll save the theatrics. It all happened. Uh <laughs> But we, we looked back at the data, and, and we were trying to figure out how we couldn't see it, and the model could, and we started to notice, we started to notice, like, oh, now wait a minute. 
this was bound to happen. Like Hovland, what he made an eight on one of the holes. It, 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 yeah, it, it even, yeah, it pr- even predicted that he was going to make that eight. I mean, but, but it, it shows that the, the, the score and all the metrics that everybody was looking at, it, it, it's not telling you what this is telling you. It's, <laughs> it's wild. It's as much Maury of a, wins. It's as much of a time machine as we can get in the game. Just because Absolutely. we can take what you've done over the first two days and I'd be interested to track this within, uh, like, back in, you know, Tiger's heyday. No, I can't go back. We, oh. we can't go back and get that data, but I would love to see, you know, guys like Tiger who can just turn it on in the last 72 or last 36 and just uh, figure out how to beat this model because nobody to this point has been able to. Absolutely. So they can do it for a round or two or three. And if we look at uh, the tournament, the Charles Schwab, I think it was the Charles Schwab where Spieth was 15 under and then he fell back um, several. He shot three over in the final round. My data after 36 holes said he should have made five and a half bogeys, essentially, or should have had five and a half strokes over par in certain holes. Um, But he had only made two. So he was bound to make a couple in the final round. Well, if you add in the rest of the final round the final round data that takes us to 6.7 he made seven bogeys made five in the final round my data after two rounds he was 11 under par said hey he's not going to shoot any more than 12 under he's going to be between 11.4 something and 12.3 something and he shot (laughs) he shot 12 under (laughs) like (laughs) like speed didn't even know he's going to shoot three over and uh, uh back to that Victor Hovland eight. I think your your model had said that he was gonna he was gonna make like three or four bogeys, and then he hadn't made a bogey all day, and then makes an eight, and like well oh, well there they all are, <laughs> they just happened very very quickly, but yeah it's my mind is still blown. So you know um, and. As I was researching, it, people were like you need to you need to patent your model. Well, there's nothing like a patent, like putting it on audio like this and putting it in print. Um, and I can't patent a formula, so I was like, you know what? If I'm not going to patent a formula, I don't care. I'm trying to make as many people better as I can. Let's share this with the world. Like, let's get this out there. We're going to put some marketing dollars behind it. Um, this is a different way of playing the game, and honestly, it's the only way it should ever be played. Um, so, you know, it's something we're looking forward to and I've got to stall some more while Jack's still out. Uh, <laughs> but we had some fun doing this for the masters. Yes. So the masters was really difficult. So share, share a quick moment on the masters. Yeah. The masters is one of those, uh, golf courses where all these all these data points, all these spots where you're supposed to be placing the ball, everything gets a little tighter. Everything gets a little bit smaller, a little bit harder to reach. And uh, in, in a way, that's sort of how we've figured out why that Masters winning score is always so much higher than the other tournaments of the year is just because it gets harder and harder to hit. But that, that was a fun tournament to do because, it was, first of all, all of the data collection, everything was so clear at Augusta like that is very obviously a BPN or an OP or a POA 
it, it made everything so cut and dry that you could see like hey this is this is really where you got to be it's cool to see too on such unique golf courses Absolutely, as well yeah. because uh, like a lot of people are like well how can you predict augusta you know like augusta is augusta like you can't do that like or um <clears throat> or like you get like a um not a south wind uh um riviera too like that's a super fun one to to look at it on um but like a lot of these unique golf courses um you think these players are going to shoot like you know they'll either shoot really low or, or really high whatever and then like it's going to be cool this may uh or a april right masters uh april when we can see like okay these guys are predicted to go like two or three under par like it's going to be awesome especially when they're get when the cl- when the players are playing closer and closer to the course average yeah, and that's where um, – so there are some golf courses that are a lot – you know, you see them go shoot 20-something under par. Well, here's the cool part. Those three data points are still the only three you need, but the formula changes. So <laughs> that's where it gets exciting. And so we look at um, the final round at Craig Ranch um, where they played, and everybody was absolutely floored that Pat and Kazire shot nine under in the final round. After two rounds, I had him getting to 21 under par, and he, he was at 11, which is reasonable. These guys are shooting. It's like, okay, yeah, that's probably possible. Guys are doing it. And then in the third round, he only shoots one under. It's like, well, he's not going to get to the 21 under par. There's no way he's going to get to the 21. <laughs> he shoots nine under in the final round. It's like, <laughs> what? What is happening? Um, and so we are, essentially what this is is we are creatures of habit. Uh, there's obviously more to the game than that. Yes, you have out-of-bounds, you have water hazards, you have rough, you have lots of things at play, you have tournament pressure, all of that. However, these three data points by themselves are the first three that are actually predictive in nature, allow you to make adjustments in real time on the fly without any bias. Like You can see what's really happening and kind of get a really clear picture under the hood. Um, it really fixes the mindset a little bit, which we haven't talked about. That's what I'm going to say. Like it changes your entire mindset when you play, um, gives you high energy, gives you lots of control. You're not nervous that things are going to fall apart. Like all that work that sports psychologists and performance coaches have worked so hard to try and get people to do. It does it. It just takes care of all of it for you. Um, and then this one's a cool one for me. If you're a college coach and you aren't buying this book for your teammates and for your players and taking them all through this, you are losing massive chances to get ahead. Because imagine if you can stand on the sixth tee box or the fifth one, whatever, somewhere early third of the round, all your players, you don't have to watch them. Don't worry about watching them. What are you watching them for? You don't need to know. That's not going to tell you anything. You just stay on the fifth tee box and watch them all come through and watch their data in real time go, we need to adjust here, here, and here. And you can adjust your team on the fly and catch things, but catch mistakes before they ever happen. And to me, that's worth its weight in gold um, for anybody that's trying to make it, get an edge on their competition, whatever. So BPN, OP, POA, if you want to get a copy by December, I'm giving you a chance to get ahead. <laughs> I'm literally giving you a chance to get ahead because I will not release it till Masters Week. I don't care if it's November the 16th and you say, oh, man, I missed. I know it was yesterday and I missed. I'm not giving it to you. Like, you are going to have to wait till April to get it. You know what's the cool thing, too, about GoFundMe is that 
depending on the level of contribution, there can also be uh, like some freebies involved. And those are up on the page <clears throat> as <throat> this podcast goes out. And so if you order, you know, X package or Y package, you get certain stuff for free as well, which is, I mean, like if you, if you want to get better, there's no reason why you shouldn't be having this book in your Absolutely. hands. Absolutely. What'd you say the cost was? Fourteen ninety nine. Yeah. If you're skeptical about spending fourteen ninety nine on this book, <laughs> buy the book and then make that money back betting on the next golf tournament, literally. True. I mean, <laughs> or or betting on your made betting on yourself with your buddies on the absolutely on the, the weekend. Absolutely. Like, yes. There you go. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, you can subscribe to Scott at S Hassey Golf. Um, that is going to be the place where you find updates about the book, updates about the course, updates about Scott. Updates about the podcast. You guys need to be following Scott if you haven't already uh, at S Hassey Golf on Instagram. We've got our first sponsor starting up soon. We're not oh, going to say more. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna we're so gonna keep that. Coming. But we yep. do have a sponsor on the podcast now, which is something that we've been wanting for a, like a really long time now, <laughs> and we've been getting it. Uh, our views have been up thanks to everybody who's listening. Um, we're almost at twenty thousand plays, which is super exciting. We had our best month last month in September. Uh, of all time. I mean, you look at the growth of the podcast. I mean, it literally looks like it's going to the sky right now. Which I know. Is awesome. We're excited. So thanks for listening. Thank you and all for Taylor, listening. Taylor, thanks for joining again. Thanks for the help putting all this data in. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without both these guys sitting here and having the data that we have. And we've got something special. And there's nothing like when you have something special to just share it with the world. So we're excited to share it. You're going to make a little money on because we've spent a lot of late nights, I mean, up past midnight, 1 o'clock, collecting data for months on end. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to bring it to you guys. Here we go. Love it, love it. Well, we're going to wrap it up here from the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Again, make sure to follow Scott on Instagram at Golf, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.